Are you caught up on Drag Race UK? You haven't started it yet? No, I turned it on for a second and this guy walked in and he's like, bah, 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 and I was like, I can't right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. I can't get like hyped like this before bed. So I'm watching this Trixie makeup tutorial and she's talking about drag race and how she prefers UK over America. Cause she's like, you know, the American Queens, they walk in and they're like, I'm here to slay and I'm here to stay. Mm-hmm. And UK Queens are like, I'm a right slag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like pretty much exactly like the first episode. First guy walked in, he was like dressed sort of like a frog or looks kind of like a frog. Yeah. And he, he was pretty much just like screaming British slang. And I was like, I can't, I can't get I hyped love up. It. I'm also struggling right now because I know you love Gen Z. Mm -hmm. The last time we talked about it, you called them genderless Nazi punchers. Yeah. Are you talking about I'm talking about skinny jeans and side parts. I didn't start wearing skinny jeans until like 2012 or 2013 or 14 even. Dude, same. Before that, I was like, ew, who puts elastic in jeans? My grandma Donna, that's who. That's who wears (laughs) elastic in her denim. And then I was like, well, I guess I have to buy elastic in my jeans and now I have to give it all up. Everything that I finally came to terms with. And then you want me to part my pumpkin head down the middle? Fuck you, Bella Hadid. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I feel like, well, when I put on skinny jeans for the first time, I was like, I didn't get the bottom of my pants wet from snow anymore. Uh, I was like, this is life changing. Like, I'll do that literally for that. Now I pretty much wear like high water skinny jeans because it's just practical, you know? Yeah. It's ankle porn for any, (laughs) you know. (laughs) For any 18th century suitors out there. I dove into it pretty deep because I like to pride myself on as I get older, the less I give a shit. Mm -hmm. And so I was ignoring it for a while. I'm like, side parts and skinny jeans, side parts and skinny, like whatever. And then pretty soon I was like, what's this all about? And then I'm like, should I be on TikTok? <laughs> well, so I went online and I was like, what jeans am I supposed to be wearing then? Because my body is no longer where I feel comfortable. Because now they're like, low rise jeans are back. And I'm like, fuck you. There was a tiny window that I jumped through with those. And that was the early 2000s. Yeah. My butt crack will never show again when I squat. So I was looking online and I'm looking at low rise. Dude, these people are wearing mom jeans like up to their fucking tits. Like, what are you talking about? They can't make up their fucking minds. (laughs) The bigger the fupa, the more in style you are. (laughs) Yeah. And now they have like barrel leg jeans, which is just jeans where the leg is smaller at the top and then it billows out and then it gets smaller at the bottom. But they look like like MC Hammer pants. Everything, not even, just like ugly jeans. They're like a heavier denim. Ugh, it's the worst. So I was like looking at these jeans and I saw this pair that I went, oh, those are cute. You know why? Because they looked, the whole outfit looked like something I would have worn in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hello, old. I fucking am angry at young people for telling me that I'm not cool. Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Also, like, just stick to the classics and who cares? Like, I can't fucking flannels. And then if I am fucking 40 and I'm wearing your stupid wannabe fat pants, it's like, look at that old lady. Look at that fucking narc. Like, is that even a word? I don't know. <laughs> Why are you? Who cares? I don't Why are you know. Worried it's about really, it? I've really let it simmer. It's pretty crazy. Like the short amount of time that everything is for us, which is like, I know. 
You know it's what I mean? not for it's not anymore oh my god calm down it's okay are you on the verge of a i don't know where i'm at like if this is as bad as like an aging crisis gets because i didn't give a shit when i turned 30 i'm like oh fucking finally you know like yeah, i don't same. care as much and i like the fact that i'm getting older but then sometimes something just gets stuck in my craw about stupid shit and right now it's that yeah what well and it sucks that like the the amount of time how the the window is very little for things to be for us Mm-hmm. And you spend those times in your teens and 20s just fucking insecure shit. I know. <laughs> you know? Then you get in your 30s and you're like, I want to fucking throw in some barrel pants. And then it's like, what are some, what are barrel, I, mean, I gotta Google this. Oh, they're uggo as shit. <laughs> These pants look like what the moms wear on every like Pixar movie. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. What the SVU pot especially yeah. anus. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. I will not be buying barrel pants. There, I said it. Nor will I, for the record. Season 2, episode 10, Consent. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is good. I thought so, too. Do you want to start? Sure. The opening scene, there's a couple of, like, twatty, waspy kids going for a jog and what I assume to be a campus. The dude jogger is talking about how there was, like, the slacker in his study group, so he kicked him out. And they, they noticed a fucking, quote-unquote, bum named Harry, like, fiddling around in some bushes. It was just gross, the way she's like, oh, check it out, there's that bum again. Look at this little better-than-me bitch. Mm-hmm. They're like, what are you doing? He, like, runs off, and then they see a woman lying in the bushes groaning. Before they go up to him, so they see this guy in the bushes, the dude to the girl makes a comment about how he's probably fertilizing the bushes and i'm like are you about to interrupt somebody who's taking a shit like is that what you think you're doing do you think that you're going to call somebody out while they're shitting like what is wrong with you Mm. what is what is the what is the end goal in fucking with somebody who's in your mind mid shit no just a thought so they're at the hospital the victim's name is kelly delee she's a student at hanford she's like semi-conscious she's got no underwear and there's alcohol in her breath god forbid eye roll that's an eye roll (laughs) You, you, you just know that they're setting it up for like whatever i don't I'm not even going to get into it yet. The whole mm-hmm. episode is this. So Benson and Stabler start talking to the doctor, and it's that same doctor, I think, from the Baby Killer episode. Remember? Really? Yeah, I thought so. And they were, like, doing the walk and talk, and we're like, she's like, I can hear you. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah. I think it's him. I liked him. So he said Kelly had abrasions to the knees and arms and bruising around the pelvic and neck and a bunch of hickeys. Mm-hmm. He didn't do a rape kit because after the exam, Kelly like just didn't want to go any farther. And he was kind of hoping that Benson would be able to like talk her into it. Right. Obviously she does because they're doing an exam and Benson's right next to her the whole time. And she's like holding her hand and she's just fucking motherfucking Olivia Benson. Like she would stay for an entire rape kit. Yeah. The doctor wants to give her a high dose of contraceptives and some antibiotics that will help prevent STDs. And Kelly's like super upset and she's like doesn't know what's going on. Benson told her that the rapist didn't use a condom and the doctor found semen and then she starts crying because she was a virgin. Kelly's roommate Dana comes up to the front desk looking for her and Stabler happens to be out there and he like intercepts her. Kelly's roommate Dana is played by... I can't remember her name. I, I just leave that shit up to you. Michelle Monaghan. She's been in a million things and she's super recognizable. One of her most recent notable things is True Detective. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she's super young in this, obviously. She's a great actress. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I'm really surprised because I watched True Detective like a million times. 
Yeah, I wrote, it's that one lady, Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> so Stabler, just asking her some questions about what Kelly was doing the night before. Dana was like, oh, she was out with Tess and Jody and a couple of their sorority sisters. They were partying at Beta Lambda House, which is like a frat house. Frat. Yeah. And they left about like 1.30. And then I guess like Jody and Tess told her that they left her with Joe Templeton and Hank Ludlow. They just left her. Which, mm-mm. No. So apparently, like, Joe had a thing for Kelly, but Kelly won't go out with him because he's, like, a quote-unquote player. Dana said that she flirts with him to, like, boost his ego, but knows when to draw the line. Stabler kind of raised his eyebrows at this, and I didn't love that. Yeah, I know. I, I wrote, fuck men. Like, we have to do all these fucking dances and shit. Oh, just to boost his ego, but then I, I know where to draw the line. Like, it's her job. It's her job, yeah. Fuck. They put a lot of pressure on people that, like, are supposedly are, like, the weaker sex. There's like a lot on us. Yeah. Like, don't give us so much responsibility if we're not going to get equal pay for it. Right. Okay. So Olivia and Stabes connect in the hall. Kelly's blood alcohol is 0.04, which is Mm -hmm. nothing at this point. She has a perforated hymen as well as semen present. Which, by the way, fuck that whole hymen shit. I wish they wouldn't like. I know. It's not proof or not proof of anything. Yeah. You know how many fucking women throughout history have like lost their lives because of it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Crime scene. Scene of the crime munch and toots have to enter their schlongs into the dick swinging competition happening between the forensics cop and the campus security cop security Mm -hmm. wants this area cleared for the 10,000 students that'll be in the quad by 9 a.m but he clearly doesn't know that forensics on law and order svu take forever (laughs) they win they're kind of dicks to the security guy we're real cops we outrank you by yeah Like, we're doing this investigation. Forensics found a used condom, Kelly's handbag with her hairbrush and ID in it, and a scarf that Toots calls stylin'. (laughs) Bag it up. (laughs) (laughs) Munch and Toots go to chat with the joggers. The girl says Kelly said a name, John or Josh or something like that. The shitty jogger dude says a, quote, creep that hangs around campus was at the scene, greasy hair and an old army jacket sounds like every guy i've ever wanted to date but go ahead munch and toots pop up on army jacket guy as he's dumpster diving for food Mm -hmm. their level of bedside manner is clear here as they startle him with a stupid munchism joke what did he say he like popped around and he's like Boo, 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 whatever. And the guy jumps, takes off, and Toots chases him down in his fur-trimmed leather 2001 <laughs> New York fall fashions. <laughs> this whole chase thing was, like, really odd because it was, like, a whole thing. There was, like, music to it and everything. And it was really just Toots kind of, like, hard leaning in and grabbing the guy by the side of the yeah. arm and being like, hey, stop. <laughs> his name's Harry, and he's got Kelly's credit card in his pocket. They take him in for possession of stolen property. And they're also like, why did you run? And he's like, because you were chasing me. I was like, yeah, fair enough. So Kelly's in a conference room at the precinct with Benson and Stabler going over her story. Tess, Jody, and Kelly went out to a campus bar at 9.30. Joe and Hank were there and they invited them to hang out. So they're like getting drinks and hanging out for a couple hours. And then they all went back to the frat to play video games in Joe's room. She calls Joe a typical frat rat. Which I love. I never heard that before. I hadn't either. And it was a term that everyone used when talking about these frat guys. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she said that they 
flirted, but nothing serious. She had had one or two margaritas and a few sips of beer when they got to the house. She says the last thing she remembers is all of them sitting on the floor and laughing, and then it gets fuzzy. She remembers feeling cold and someone pulling on her hair and then nothing. She doesn't think she was drinking enough to end up in that state, but she still blames herself. She's like got her head in her hands and she's going, what did I do? Yeah. Oh, like you didn't do anything. And even if you did get fucking wasted, you didn't, this isn't your fault. Fortunately, this is an episode that Olivia's empathetic. Yeah. And she's sitting there like looking at her like she feels really bad for her um, deciding what Olivia is thinking. But she's looking at her like she's feeling really bad for her and like she just wants her to see that it's not her fault. Yeah. Munch and Toots are in the interrogation room with the homeless guy, Harry. He's got a bit of a rap sheet. Oh, my God. We had Lloyd a couple episodes ago, (laughs) and now it's Harry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, I need to pay attention to what we're doing. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a rap, nothing crazy, like petty theft, etc. But he does have a thing. He got in trouble for, like, peeping in on girls at the dorm. Mm. He says he's never hurt anybody. He said he found her stuff in the bushes and was on his way to Lost and Found, but stopped at the trash can to look for hot food. And then he, like, kind of laughed and fucking toots like goes <laughs> like slams his fucking hand down you fucking think this is a joke and they want his dna but the dude, the dude is like freaking out over needles mm-hmm. and he just starts telling them what happened well they were kind of like if if you tell us you don't have to deal with the dna test he says he saw her come out of the frat house super early in the morning she was like all wobbly and fell down a few times and then the last time she fell was in the bushes and he went over and like took her money in cars he says he didn't rape her though <laughs> and then they opened the door and he's being taken away by a cop and he's like you sons of bitches you said I wouldn't have to take a needle and Munch is like ah well well we lied (laughs) they always tough guy it so hard and it's like why are you guys being such assholes when you know you're gonna run his DNA anyway Mm -hmm. are you getting off on treating a person like subhuman or what like toots are you trying on your shitty cop Munch jacket what are you doing stop it if this dude's DNA comes back negative they're back to square one and they still haven't found her missing underwear and I hated I fucking hated hearing Craig and say the word panties (laughs) yeah I fucking hated it. Oh, Craigan's like, you guys go talk to her party companions. And then they have to also like fill in the six hours that she doesn't remember. I can't believe they're not on their way to go talk to the frat guys. If we're going to generalize anybody on this show, we're not going to go, you know, who might be able to explain some shit. Mm-hmm. Shitty little boners running around campus. <laughs> yeah. So Benson and Stabler are at the sorority house Kelly goes to. Delta Kappa Delta. They're talking to Jody and Tess. They were the two friends that she was with fucking they say they left the house at 11 these girls when i'm talking about these like anti-skinny jeans mandatory middle part girls Mm. these girls are from the year 2000 and they look exactly like the girls that are tiktoking my age into existence me throwing this fit is what makes me sound old yeah it does so (laughs) just kidding anyway these two are judgy cunts and i hate them yeah they were all drinking but kelly was like really drunk they said she was hanging all over joe and it wasn't anything new she was always glued to someone so they were at the frat house for a while and then when kelly stripped down to her undies they called it a night she was giving joe a lap dance they just left her there and benson was like you just left her there and they're like um yeah when i worked downtown you know madison's a college town so i'd get done with work at the bar and i would see girls wandering the street alone fucking barefoot Mm mm-hmm I've watched so many fucking hammered ass girls home. I see this girl. She's hammered ass drunk. She's got next to nothing on and it's cold outside. Mm -hmm. It was like three in the morning. Myself and a friend were like, we're walking you home. Where do you live? And she lived on 
in one of the sorority houses. On Langdon, yeah. She's like, thank you guys so much. It's so nice of you. And we're like, mm-hmm. We just like really can't have you on our conscience. And then we get to the door of the sorority house and this girl opens the door and I'm like, were you out with her tonight? And she goes, yes. Thank you. And I'm just like, no, you need to be a better friend. You need to take care of her. She shouldn't be out here for us to find because somebody else could have found her. And I'm putting that on you. And she's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the fucking thing is like, we should be able to leave people alone and like friends alone and go and do whatever and not have to fucking worry about getting raped. Yeah, we should. We should, but it doesn't work that way. Right. You know, there's part of me that's like, I don't want to put on women and be like, you should be this. You should be better. I want to be like to all men. You should not rape people. Oh, yeah. But but no, that's not how ideally, fucking things work. Ideally, in an yeah. ideal situation, that's not something that has to be done. But yeah. in the reality of the situation, yeah. we have to protect each other because we can't trust anything with a dick to do it. Right. Anyway, Munch and Toots are off to talk to Joe and Hank. First up is Munch talking to Joe. I did not know that they offered a dorky magician major at East Coast <laughs> Universities because this fucking David Copperfield looking motherfucker, pick a card looking motherfucker. <laughs> this guy, do you remember what he looked like? David Copperfield. You don't need to look it up. He looks like he does close magic. He looks like he's the guy who's got a trick pocket. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> trick pocket. <laughs> Are these flowers for you? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just trying to get to work, dude. Give me my coin back. It's behind my ear. Joe tells Munch, quote, yeah, she had the hot ticket and I'd have been happy to punch it for her if oh. she hadn't puked all over the floor. Kind of oh. put the muzzle on Mr. Happy, if you know what I mean. Ew. We know what you mean, Joe, you fucking dork. That is not a human person. Who <laughs> it's, is a, it's a robot programmed to be a, a fucking frat douche. Programming for frat boy. Bleep, bloop, bleep. Flip cup <laughs> champion. Bleep, bloop. <laughs> That that guy has a middle part. Yeah. Tell me about how cool he looks. <laughs> so, he tells Munch after that that he left her to sleep it off in his bed and went down to the living room to sleep on the couch. Now Toots is talking to Hank and Hank clearly fashions himself after 90s teen magazine cover hunks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Fucking JTT, Andrew Keegan, the older brother from Boy Meets World. He tells Toots that he and Joe slept in the living room. He mm-hmm. also said that Kelly had made her way through the Kappa fuckstick house before setting her sights on Joe. Yeah, she's a slut, so she deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Toots goes, so you're saying she was asking for it? And I'm like, get her, Jade. Mm-hmm. He says he doesn't know what happened to Kelly, but he knows it wasn't him or Joe. Right, I'm sure. Back at the precinct, Cragen tells the crew that Harry's blood test doesn't match the semen. The frat dudes and sorority girls all say she had a lot of, quote, practice. That's mm. like... So Olivia shoots up and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't mean she deserves it. And Toots says, a, oh God, Toots says a lap dance sends a pretty strong message. And Olivia's like, she was drunk. And Stabler's like, so was he. And Liv said, so that excuses him? And Stabler says, no, but her behavior leaves shit open for interpretation. Oh, Toots is saying she might have woke up and had a case of, quote, buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. Olivia's getting pissed. And so am I. She says, so now we're fucking blaming the victim. The best part about yeah. uh, Olivia in this, you know, that feeling you get when you get so fucking pissed that you have to she had she's like I'm going to stand up now to finish you guys can remain seated but my body will not be able to do that 
Yeah. So this is like that classic, like men get the excuse of being drunk Mm -hmm. to explain their actions, but women don't. Right. And it's fucking bullshit. And now we know, I don't remember when the first time I heard this was, but it wasn't that fucking long ago. If it's not an enthusiastic yes, it's not a yes. Mm -hmm. There's no room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. Cragen also said it's hard to get an indictment on a he said, she said. Ring, ring. 0.5 second phone call. Hello? Yeah, got it. That was the lab. (laughs) And then Tox calls and they find GHB in Kelly's urine. She was dosed. And Olivia doesn't say anything, but her eyes scan the room and her eyes say, told you, you fuckers. Yeah. We got to find out who gave her the drug. So Benson and Stabler are chatting with Kelly. She talked to the fucking Dina students and (gasps) go. I put in a prediction. I bet it was one of her piece of shit sorority sisters. I, I did forgot too. That I put that. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, I fucking did. Oh my God. Cause that's such an SVU twist thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. My nips are so hard. <laughs> I love you so much. You're my friend. <laughs> So Kelly talked to the dean and the dean was like, oh, you know, maybe you should just let the school handle it, like the disciplinary committee. So that way it's like not in the press. And Olivia's like, dude, rape is a fucking crime. So you should like let us handle it. But she doesn't remember a lot. So she thinks that maybe it was her fault. And then they let her know that she was slipped a date rape drug. Which removes her ability to consent. Right. Stable was like, you know, go over this with us again. When did you start feeling weird? And da, da, da. And she said she felt fine at the bar while she was drinking margarita but then started to feel dizzy after just a little beer at the frat house so she stopped drinking they kept pouring beer into her glass but when as soon as she yeah she felt dizzy she stopped and she did say that a guy named wally parker joined them in joe's room for a minute he's a frat brother of theirs but he didn't stay long so that leaves hank and joe and then i wrote dude bet it was her sisters to loosen her up because she's a virgin the detectives tell her to keep it on the down low until they can detective some more so go to college keg bar munch and toots are talking dirt bag frat rats and baseball metaphors this Mm. entire conversation is a baseball metaphor Mm -hmm. this guy's t-shirt is too tight and his mustache is offensive (laughs) it really is it really is and i like a good mustache but just him as a person like i took a picture of him when he was like hold on let me so joe is this trash human okay Mm -hmm. he gets this clearly very lonely with no friends bartender to bet on whether We have to post that picture. (laughs) Joe gets this guy to bet on whether he can call it at the beginning of the night if he'll bag a chick or not. Mm -hmm. The bartender calls Joe the babe as in Babe Ruth. Yeah. Because he'll like point out a chick and be like, home run. I'm going to get a home run tonight. Yeah. The bet is usually $20, but this time he bet 50 on Kelly. Yeah. And the bartender was like, he was pretty sure about that one. All the while baseball metaphoring it. Mm -hmm. This bartender was not a college student. This bartender was like 30 and I was embarrassed for him that this was a thing he was admitting to. He was a grown man. He's an adult man talking to this scummy little douchey frat boy being like, oh, you're going to fuck that young teen? You're going (laughs) to fuck that one? (laughs) (laughs) Your your shoulders. (laughs) Oh my God. You're like, you know who he kind of looked like? Is he kind of looked like Coach Steve from fucking Big Mouth? A little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Coach Steve from Big Mouth is like, oh, you're going to make goo in the lady. (laughs) (laughs) Make goo in the warm. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) 
if Coach Steve so, like greased his hair back, <laughs> that's what yes. it would be. Ew, this is Coach Steve's <laughs> alter ego, but his alter ego is just as pathetic, <laughs> just in a different way. Swing and a miss for Coach Steve. <laughs> Home run, Joe. Here's your beer. <laughs> And have you ever like looked at a fucking like 19 year old? They look like children. Like, yes, I can't. And then and then imagine them like having sex with just flopping around because they don't know what their fuck they're doing. Oh, my God. Like 19 year old chicks are like just just imagine like a hot like 19 year old girl getting flopped all over by a 19 year old fucking dude. It's just like Ugh. doesn't match up. My God. Ugh. And how performative. You don't have to perform for them. Oh, my God. If anybody listen, like, that's not our Ugh. demo. But please know that, like, you don't have to give them the porn you think you have to. Oh, my God. Just no. you being there, being willing to touch their peens. That's all you got to do. I mean, you don't even have no to do that. No more effort. Like, don't no have more to, effort to give. You don't have to, like, do all that shit. Oh, you don't, just don't. You Ugh. never do, to be don't honest. Don't do any of it. Don't fuck them. I'm going to start a movement. <laughs> Let's start a movement. No guy under 30 gets to get fucked anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then how are they going to learn? Oh, they can. Because um, by the time that they're 30, 32, you, you want them to have bagged, like really get his rhythm in. I don't want to like teach well, a fucking 30 year old how to like. What if they watched instructional video? I mean, it's porn. different. Instru sexual Instruction. instructional videos. <laughs> you mean porn? <laughs> I'm like, what if they watch porn and fucked sex dolls? And it's like, wait, no, that's becoming an issue. What about <laughs> what about from like 18 to 29, 30? The older experienced women from 40 <gasps> up, they go in yes. and teach them, teach them. And then they release them to the rest of us. Oh, my God. That's perfect. Cougar camp. Oof. Yeah. <gasps> Cougar camp. Oh, my God. Gabe, you're a marketing fucking genius. <laughs> Let's go. Let's write go. this down. Cougar camp. OK. Cougar camp. Got it. Hold on. I'm gonna, I am going to write it down. I want to be a counselor, but just to make fun of dudes in their 20s, because that would be so fun. Hold on. I made her come. Did you, Derek? <laughs> I'm sure you, you did. did. <laughs> Let me ask Gloria. She's like, no, no, not even close. OK, so the bartender saw the young people, Tess, Jody, all the other kids with white ass names, Kelly, Joe, Hank. They all left together. They're building a case now that Joe's intention was to fuck Kelly. Right. right. That's what the bartender. That's what Coach Steve's <laughs> fucking guy <laughs> gave him. Now they're in the office of the dean of students, Geraldine Richter. Mm. She's annoying. She's a fucking bitch. Yeah. Benson and Stabler are like, why would you discourage Kelly from pressing actual charges? What does your disciplinary committee do? And she's like, we hold a pretend evidence hearing <laughs> and can suspend or expel them. So nothing. <laughs> but she says it like officially, like yeah. like they're actually doing right. something. Then she refuses to say anything about Joe or Hank's history with a case like this until she gets yeah. written permission or a court order. And they're like, cool, we'll be back, you dumb bitch. Yeah, this is fucking right, dude. Like not some fucking kid that brought like a hot plate into his dorm room and wasn't supposed to. This is fucking yeah. rape. Fuck you, Geraldine. Oh, the fucking RA didn't come to him was like, I found this fucking toilet paper tube with a laundry detergent thing over the end with a rubber band. I know what this is. We'll, we'll handle this internally. Should I call the police? No, it should be handled internally. How about this rape case? Oh, we should call the police. Right. That's the end. I am so sick of fucking colleges. I can't do another rant. I can't. <laughs> 
Okay. You don't get to, you're not, you're not your own fucking law system. Yeah. So Benson Stabler, or do that walk and tug, Stabler brings up fucking Marine and how he's scared of her going to college. I don't care. Next, we're in the squad room. Stabler's like, you guys, this affects my personal life. And they're like, ugh. So they're in the squad room and Cabot said that the disciplinary committee is an extension of, quote, local parentis, which means in place of a parent. So it's like the role of the university to like take care of these kids, sort of even though they're mm-hmm. fucking adults, but whatever. And they usually prefer to keep shit in-house. And they do this to save the, the kids a public trial and so the school doesn't have any like public scrutiny about it. Mm-hmm. So there's like this catch-22 here because the university will squash a subpoena for Hank and Joe's files without evidence, but they need the files of Hank and Joe for evidence, like to get evidence, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, the evidence that they need are in the files and they know that they're in the files, but they can't access the files without a warrant they can't get the warrant without the evidence yes so it's this thing where they're like okay we got to figure out this fucking yeah circle jerk they think that joe's done this kind of shit before and so that there's got to be more victims out there and uh, they know he has because his fucking bartender buddy right yeah <laughs> do we go back to him <laughs> <laughs> the babe jolie's with girl he drinks more beers than he pays for <laughs> That's what he said. He said that. (laughs) They got to find some other victims so that they can get probable cause. Munch and Toot said they made pals with Nick the Dick, the campus security guard that they were like giving shit to about the forensic thing. Yeah, Um, Munch was like, let's talk to our buddy. And Toots is like, that guy fucking hates us. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but like, let's appeal to his fraternal sense of brotherhood with cops. And then let's not forget about the third guy, Wally Parker. Then they were like, they put their hands in the middle and they're like, break, that's for you. Go sex crimes. <laughs> <laughs> so Benson and Stabler are chatting with Wally Parker. First of all, this guy is totally my type, like tall, chubby, bearded. Yeah. And then I regret saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. First scene, I go into it further later, but first scene with him, I said he looks like Bevers from Broad City. No. Abby's, Abby's roommate? Bevers isn't my type. Yeah. So he said he wasn't in Joe's room for very long and he like talked to Kelly a little bit. But when he was there, she seemed like lucid and was totally clothed. Mm -hmm. But then Stabler puts the screws to him and he's like, hey, right now we've got you pegged as an accomplice. So if you have any more, you better talk. Yeah. He's like, forget your frat brother, fucking brotherhood, blah, blah, blah. Right. So he says around 1 a.m. he went down for a drink of water. Joe and Hank were sleeping on the couch. And he saw Kelly was in Joe's room crying. Her hair was messed up. There was puke on the floor. And she wouldn't tell him why she was crying. He offered to walk her home. But when he went to get his coat and came back, she was already gone. Mm-hmm. Munch and Toots are with the security guard. I fucking love this guy, by the way. Me too. He's like, oh, are you here to fucking like bust my chops again? And they're like, no, we actually came to apologize for being kind of harsh. You know how it is. Us all being cops, you know, when our boss is breathing down our necks. And the guy was like, cool, I'm getting my criminology degree to become a fed. So yeah. And Munch is like, hey, you know, like my cousin's a G man. Like I can put in a good word for you. And this dude is like not falling for their like buddy, buddy cop routine thing. And he's like, what do you guys really want? Like, why would you put it? <laughs> you don't know me you know yeah and they were like okay so they start asking him about joe templeton they want info but they can't get past the dean and then he like calls them out oh so you just like want me to ignore university policy to like help you guys with your case and which is like dude it's to nail a fucking rapist and he's like "Mm, 
Okay. This guy's like, Joe Templeton's a fucking piece of work. You know, there was a chick on the swim team last year that claimed he raped her. Mm-hmm. Joe got her drunk and did her while she was wasted. I hate that when they fucking say I know. I thought of you as soon as he said did her. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Gabe's going to hate this. I don't like it either, just yeah. for the record. But Joe got her drunk and fucking raped her while mm-hmm. she was wasted. So yeah. she pressed charges through the university disciplinary board. So obviously nothing happened. Yeah. There's no record of it because it went through the college disciplinary committee. So the cops have no access to it. What she described sounded very familiar. So then Munch and Toots go to the pool to talk to the survivor in that case. Mandy Schumacher. She tells them her story. So she drank a bunch at this frat party and remembers Joe pulling her hair and being on top of her. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also that she woke up with a bunch of gross hickeys and she didn't report it until a few weeks later when she found out that she was pregnant. She ended up getting an abortion and went to her advisor and the advisor was like, oh, there's not enough evidence to go to the cops. Plus, you don't remember. So let's just do this disciplinary committee thing. Can you even imagine like not knowing that you were raped until you find out you're pregnant? Oh, my God. Isn't that fucking insane? Just awful. Like, yeah. I mean, it would be awful to know, to not know. Like, it'd be awful across the board. But, like, thinking about this situation in particular, just having no control, not knowing at all what happened. Yeah. And they were, because they were like, why didn't you report it right away? And she was like, I didn't even fucking know I was raped. Yeah. Ugh. And, like, fuck you for asking me why, whatever. Just keep going. Sorry. So Joe got suspended for an academic semester for quote, behavior unbecoming of a student. So like Mm -hmm. zero punishment. Mm -hmm. And then he even tried to ask her out after that and she slapped him in the face. And now he just snickers at her when he and his friends walk by. He and his friends, Chris Angel and David Blaine. (laughs) Yeah. Because he's the magician, remember? (laughs) He looks like, all right. Yeah. I thought that was going to land so much harder. (laughs) The whole like, sorry, I even talked to Johnny yesterday and I was like, I was like, oh, I'm just taking my notes for recording tomorrow. And he's like, oh, I'm excited. And I'm like, yeah, strap in because there's some magician. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The whole gang's in Cragen's office. The final labs are in. And not only was there semen, but also gonorrhea. Oh, shit. Right. They have enough for a subpoena for those disciplinary committee records, so they need to go get that. Cragen also wants Joe tied to the purchase of the GHB. Then they can really fucking nail him. Mm-hmm. In the dean's office, this is just a transition scene. It's just to show that they got the subpoena so they can get the file, which then gave them enough for a search warrant. So now they go to the frat house. Oh, my God. The pal Wally is JJ from Wet Hot American Summer. That's who it is. When he was all bundled up, I couldn't tell, like, with his hat and his pea coat and everything. Then I was like, I wonder if he and Stabes had been, like, buds for a while because they have this wet hot connection and then now there's an SVU connection. Yeah. So I want a string board of the wet hot cast and how they're all connected to each other. It's probably insane. And Oz, too. It's like everybody from Oz is in SVU. Yeah, but like, I mean, it's all a six degrees of separation. Like, they all connected to Kevin Bacon, but it's like everyone's connected to SVU. SVU is the nucleus of Hollywood. So the detectives are in Joe's room, like digging through shit because they've got this fucking warrant. Wally's in there and he's like, come on, guys, this is an invasion of privacy. And the cops are like going through his disgusting fucking frat boy room. Oh, can you imagine? So they find a pair of girls underwear with blood on them, blood on his unchanged sheets and an eyedropper with liquid in it to the lab. 
Apparently the lab can get them results in an hour, but end the backlog exists because they can't get right. rape kits tested. Yeah. So they're in the movie theater lighting <laughs> fucking dark ass lab. It doesn't even make sense. It should be like bright as shit. There should be yeah. fluorescent lights covering the ceiling, but it's like this dark fucking, you're not developing photos in high school. So the GHB in Kelly's urine and the chemicals on the dropper are the exact same. So she was fucking roofied, obviously. Mm-hmm. So GHB tends to be home brewed, which I did not not know by the way i said it is yeah it's like using cleaning solvent or paint thinner as a fucking base which i was like holy shit gross but they said that this batch is pretty pure so whoever made it had lab access yeah in the squad room according to the files joe seems to be a pretty busy dude every single witness of mandy's in the disciplinary court had some kind of negative story about him Mm -hmm. so his mo is like getting them drunk pulling their hair and giving them hickeys as a just a part of it he is also raping them yes yeah joe only had two witnesses on his side and it was his buddy Hank and his fucking dad Joseph Templeton and I'm like what the fuck is his dad doing at a rush party he wasn't at the party he was just there as a character witness oh it turns out he endowed a chair at the law school and he's head of the alumni committee overseeing a building fund. So like, no wonder why Joe gets off so easy. Munch fucking goes and arrests Hank for possession of GHB and Joe for possession of GHB and the rape of Kelly. Mm-hmm. So Joe's dad busts into Cragen's office. He's like, I demand to see my son. I love this Cragen. Cragen's like, dude... He- like, he's an adult and you don't have the right to see him right now. The detectives are interrogating him. Mr. Templeton says, do you want me to go over your fucking head? And Cragen stands up and it's like, fucking go for it, dude. This is SVU. This is real life. This isn't college bullshit. And I'm not going to be somebody you can like fucking railroad over. I'm not somebody you fucking can intimidate. I'm not some collegiate person that's in your fucking pocket. Yeah. So Templeton kind of softens up a bit and he's like, do you fucking have any kids? He's like, I just want him to know that he doesn't have to go through this alone. And Craig like in the eyes of the law your son is an adult and he has to stand on his own two feet you have to be lawful about being there for your son right now mm-hmm. don't fucking throw your fucking weight around like you like it means shit in this situation Ugh. benson and stabler are in the interrogation room with joe joe's like no the eyedropper isn't mine i don't know how it got in my trash can he doesn't i don't know why there's blood on my sheets i don't know why her, her underwear is in my room because she slept in there <laughs> fuck off stabler tells him his urine sample tested positive for gonorrhea and he was like what no they're like yeah <laughs> which was great you can to be carrying gonorrhea and not have symptoms yeah and since kelly was a virgin she got it from him mm-hmm. which is fucking terrible Ugh. joe's lawyer pipes up and he's like mm, it's circumstantial at best well it's like good enough for an indictment and if his dna matches the semen he'll go to fucking prison the lawyer takes him away to wait for the court order for the dna so munch and toots have hank and his lawyer in for questioning and he says he doesn't know anything about anything except that tess and jody were acting funny all night i I knew it. Mm-hmm. They kept topping off Kelly's drink, calling it a love potion. Oh. The detectives asked if Joe was in on it. And Hank said that after the girls left, Joe tossed Hank a blanket and told him to hit the bricks because he was about to hit another home run. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drive that into the ground because my magic shit wasn't going anywhere. (laughs) They're in the squad room and they're reconvening with their information. It comes down to this. They need to find out what Tess and Jody's motive would be to participate in getting their friend raped. Mm -hmm. Benson and Stabler walk and talk. 
with Dana, mm-hmm. the friend from the beginning who brought Kelly a change of clothes to the hospital. Mm-hmm. She's spilling the tea to the detectives. Tess and Kelly didn't really get along, and Tess even tried to keep her from getting into the sorority house. Turns out, Tess and Joe were dating last year. Kelly didn't know, and when she met him and he flirted with her, she reciprocated, and it pissed Tess off. Mm-hmm. Tess blamed Kelly when Tess and Joe broke up. Then a few weeks ago, Tess got the clap, Mm. which is gonorrhea. Mm -hmm. Assuredly from Joe, obviously. Yeah. Dana told the detectives that she overheard Tess telling Jody that she wanted to get even with Kelly because Joe's the one who gave you gonorrhea. Whatever. Yeah. We've gone off on this like fucking narrative that females have been roped into like having with one another. Internalized misogyny. Mm. Tess started being super nice to Kelly all of a sudden then, but still talking shit behind her back and telling everybody that she was sleeping with everyone. Yeah. Then the night before they went out, Dana saw the two girls pouring chemicals together. And at first I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like they've got this like blah, 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 like lab happening in this girl's bedroom. And she yeah. goes, they had a biochem book. So I assumed that they were doing homework. I'm like, OK, well, that makes it believable then. Right. You know, I picture them in like goggles and lab coats. And she's like, what are you guys doing? Nothing. OK. <laughs> yeah. There's like bubbles and smoke coming out of everything. They look like Breaking Bad and they're like, hey. You going to Taco Bell? (laughs) They're in the Hanford University Organic Chemistry Lab. Tess walks in on Munch and Toots clearing out the chemicals in her station. And she turns around and runs off. And she's wearing this purple faux fur crop jacket. And I hate her, (laughs) but I would probably wear that jacket. (laughs) She clearly runs all the way back to her sorority house because she runs into her room and finds Benson and Stabler going through her shit. They got a warrant, bitch. Mm-hmm. Turns out Tess is a biochem major and has the GHB formula written in a notebook. Under love potion. Yeah. Now they're in the interrogation room with this fucking little bitch Tess. She's being interrogated by Benson and Stabler. So possession is just the beginning of the charges. They can prove conspiracy. Then she's also on the hook for rape for taking away Kelly's ability to consent. And this fucking bitch says, you'll never prove that. Benson's like, dude, one of your sorority sisters already fucking ratted you out. And then Stabler twists the knife a little bit more. She She told us Joe gave you the clap before dumping you for Kelly. Oh, and then Olivia says, and what better way to get back at Kelly for flirting to make sure she got the clap too? What? (laughs) How does that thinking like? I don't know. Uh, She was like, you guys can't prove anything. And they're like, we're going to search the house and find the shit you used to make the GHB. Mm -hmm. So she hired lawyers up. They give her her phone and leave the room. But duh, they're watching on the other side of the glass with Cragen. And as they do... Cragen goes, do you think she'll take the bait? She wasn't calling a lawyer. Yep. So cut to the sorority. Jody gets off the phone, obviously with Tess, and runs downstairs. And Dana kind of like follows her to the basement, or at least is like watching her. Dana appeared into that scene like the reverse of that gif of Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jody runs d- down to the basement and grabs a backpack full of chemicals and she's mm-hmm. trying to scoot out of there but fucking munch and toots are there with a goddamn warrant boom yeah um <laughs> sorry she's like you bitch and i'm like um no you bitch yeah and then toots arrests this stupid ass hoe you dumb bitch you dumb fucking bitch god my neighbors are probably like what the fuck is going on <laughs> Jody, Benson, and Stabler are in interrogation. Their threats of prison don't scare her. She's like, my dad would never let anything happen. But she's a fucking adult. Her, Her, like, fucking fingerprints are on the eyedropper. Like, her dad can't help her. She's like 
40. <laughs> Benson's like, look, I was in a sorority too. I know that fucking like sisterhood shit runs deep, but Tess sold her out. Mm-hmm. Well, they make her believe that Tess sold her out and the yeah. phone call was done by Tess to get Jody caught. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, you clever detectives. Yeah. She made the phone call that put Jody in the basement. They know Tess had beef with Kelly. Stabler actually says beef, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but Jody did the dirty work. And right as she's saying, you don't understand what Tess will do to me, her lawyer walks in and shuts her up. Mm-hmm. Jody's dad is a justice, by the way. Yeah. Hey, Justice Tomlinson, your daughter is a psycho. Yeah. But anyway, this lawyer's like, shut up. Get out of here. We have nothing else to yeah. say. So we're in Craigan's office. Cabot thinks Jody's lawyer and her dad will reconsider pulling the plug on talking once they see the evidence. At the very least, they have them on possession, possibly rape three and acting in concert. And then Munch and Toots walk in. Bad news. Joe and Hank's semen don't match Kelly's fucking rape kit. What? Yes. There's some scarf they found in the bushes with Kelly. There were two distinct fibers, one from Kelly and the other that matches the semen. But whose is it? Mm-hmm. Benson and Stabler show Kelly the scarf. She said it looks familiar. And then she kind of gets this, this like weird look on her face. She's obviously like realizing she knows whose scarf it is. Then we see Wally in the precinct conference room. Mm-hmm. Benson and Stabler walk in. Stabes is such a cop or my mom here. <laughs> Both? A hundred percent. Terry. He plops an evidence bag containing the scarf in front of Wally as Benson makes a comment about frat boys and their nicknames and stuff. Mm-hmm. Staves just sits down, hard looks at the scarf, and then hard looks at Wally like he's trying to do some math that he already knows. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Wally, that's kind of fish, isn't it? Wally is flustered. Mm-hmm. They tell him the semen matches his hair and he tells them the truth. He found Kelly in Joe's room. He says she seemed so sad. They went back into his room to sit on his bed and talk. Mm-hmm. She kissed him then. And he says the rest just happened. I didn't know she was drugged. I thought she wanted to be with me, which did make me feel bad for him for a minute. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, this sounds like classic incel shit. Oh, like for a minute let me be very clear that for yeah. a minute is a big yeah. part of that sentence it's like you you saw barf on the floor you fucking puke like yeah and then and then when they brought that up later i was like yeah ew ew you're gross you're a gross opportunist he's like i brushed her hair out of her face I'm like okay Ugh. incel that sounds like i'm gonna tuck her hair behind her ears like whatever fuck Ugh. off so we're in craigan's office and cabot's like doesn't matter if well i knew or not it's rape by statute craigan's like well can we offer him a deal <laughs> which i thought was like fucking i don't don't know kind of bullshit they really want to go after joe who's yeah. fucking home run rapist extraordinaire yeah cabot's like dude wally's dna is the only concrete fucking evidence that we have that link a rapist to the victim right and then sabler's like ah oh, just doesn't feel right like that the kid goes down misreading mixed signals which cabot's argument there is if she lets him go the whole thing unravels and she can't mm-hmm. go after the girls for conspiracy to commit rape without a rapist yeah. and there's not enough evidence to connect joe as the rapist even though he really did fucking rape her mm-hmm. she says she might be able to offer him a lighter sentence for his testimony but they have to hit the grand jury first yeah there's a chance that joe could walk so they really can't afford to lose wally as a defendant Outside of the grand jury room, Benson has given Kelly a pep talk. She's like super nervous, of course. She's scared. And then she sees a glimpse of Wally, which whatever. She's like, I don't want to see any of these people. So Kelly's on the stand and she's telling them what she remembers. She was in the hospital shaking, the doctor telling her being raped and she was scared. 
And she said it felt like someone stealing a piece of her soul. And she said you can't get it back even when you know who did it. She says she doesn't really remember the night, but she does remember her life before it. And she'll never be the same person again. Mm. They're doing this thing where they're showing everybody on the stand telling their stories of what they found. The forensic chemist finding out it was GHB. Stabler finding the notebook of Tess and Jody with the recipe for GHB. Dana saying she saw them mixing it the night they went out with Kelly. Hank saying Jody and Tess kept laughing and filling up Kelly's glass with beer and GHB. And that Joe said he was going to hit a home run. Oh boy. Why isn't that guy there? (laughs) The hospital doctor saying there was a torn hymen and gonorrhea, but Wally didn't have it. So someone else infected Kelly. Munch discovering the underwear in Joe's room and blood spots belonging to Kelly on Joe's sheets. And then the crime lab saying Joe had gonorrhea. Benson and Kelly walk into Cabot's official sandwich eating room at the courthouse. I know. (laughs) And then that one guy comes in, one lawyer comes in and grabs her pickle and just... <laughs> so Cabot says Wally's lawyer served us with a cross 19050. What? Mm-hmm. That just means that Wally wants to testify in front of the grand jury. Cabot needs to hear from Kelly if there's anything she can give her that might have made Wally think his advances were welcomed. I know. So Kelly tells her this. They had a couple of classes together prior to this, and she had asked him to coffee a couple of times to pick his brain because he was doing well in the class and she wasn't. She knew that he had a crush on her so she flirted with him a little bit and she like gets kind of a look from mm-hmm. Benson and Cabot and she just flips and goes that doesn't make me a slut yeah. and it doesn't. It doesn't. Cabot's like I'm gonna cross examine him and rail his fucking ass so don't worry about it. Yeah she's, she's got it. Mm-hmm. So she does. <laughs> Yeah. He's up on the stand explaining that they started as friends and that night they had sex, but he swears he didn't know she was drugged and he like goes to get up. Well, done here with that. And Cabot's like, "Mm, just a second. (laughs) You saw the barf. Okay. Her matted hair, her watering eyes, and you thought she was of sound mind to consent. Like this guy's coming back from studying. He didn't party with them. He went to go study and then came home. So by all accounts that this guy's fucking sober. Yeah. You knew she was under the influence and you still asked her to your room. Like, please. Mm-hmm. She seemed fine. No. Yeah. And then he defends it by saying she had flirted with him prior and then that she had kissed him. Well, he actually said she looks sad. And Cabot said, and you took that as an invitation to have sex? <laughs> Which I thought was like, hey, guy, she had puke on her shirt. <laughs> but yeah. So Wally keeps making all these excuses and whatever. And she's like, must have just been your lucky night. Mm. Ugh. And Wally's like, but, but I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. I was so nice. I deserved it. Benson and Cabot are outside waiting for the jury to come up with their verdict. This dude comes out and hands Benson and Cabot the piece of paper. It's obviously not good because they like both are like, Meh. So Benson meets up with Kelly. The grand jury indicted Tess and Jody in possession, but didn't return charges on Wally or Joe. So apparently the, jur- the jury was split on consent. The idea of consent. Yeah. They believe Kelly was drugged, but don't believe that the dudes knew. She's like, but the dean expelled them. So that's good. I'm like, fuck this shit. Fuck it. Yeah. And that's hardly punishment, especially since Joe is a genuine, full blown frat ass rapist. Right. Wally is a fucking opportunist rapist. Yeah. So that's it. That's uh, that's fucking it. Kelly's like, I never took those pills the doctor gave me. What if I'm pregnant? And Benson's like, I'm probably not the person to ask. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. She's like, um, I haven't told my just parents. Just like alluding back to the fact that she's a product of rape. She's like, I haven't told my parents yet. She's like, you probably, you probably should talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First, as far as this chaser goes. 
we're going to start it out with a little mini lesson on GHB. You can skip this if you went to raves in the 90s. <laughs> GHB stands for gamma hydrobutyric acid. That's the only big word I'm going to say. Okay. A few things it was developed and used for medically is cataplexy, narcolepsy, and alcoholism. Rarely it was used for that, but it was one of the things it was used to treat. It was also used as a general anesthetic for a time. Recreational GHB is used to obtain a feeling of euphoria. It lessens inhibitions. It can raise one's libido. And also like any good club drug, it makes you want to be friends with everybody. Yeah. Higher doses of it is what put it into the date rape drug category. In higher doses, it creates drowsiness, amnesia, and unconsciousness. Accompanying those can be nausea, dizziness, agitation, depressed breathing, and death. Mm -hmm. Also, it's a tiny bit of liquid and it's colorless and odorless and it's a little bit salty but won't change the flavor of anything. Hmm. I was curious to find out how people make it since it said in the episode that people cook it and I thought it might be hard to find, but I typed in GHB R and Google was like, GHB recipe? Do you want to cook GHB? <laughs> I've got recipes for GHB. And then immediately I found an article that was like, here's how you cook GHB, but definitely don't. But here's the recipe. But if you see these ingredients in somebody's house, they're cooking this terrible shit. But don't forget, you'll need pH strips to cook this sweet, sweet GHB. <laughs> and I'm sure the recipe was like, oh, you want to make GHB? I was raised in a cabin on the woods. And I, you know, and you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just get to the GHB. And you've got to like scroll through all these morning lit photos of yeah. like a vial of GHB next to a cup of piping hot coffee. Right. As the kids played in the backyard, I contemplated. I thought, do I use my mom's recipe or do I spice it up? You know me. Follow me for more tips. Anyway, side notes on it as a recreational drug. It's soups addictive and mm. the come down and withdrawals are similar to ecstasy as in like the come down from ecstasy was always referred to in my friend group as Suicide Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I never got into ecstasy, but um, I know that it's like super depressing. Like you're really depressed. Yeah, just it's really gross. And it's just, I don't know how many times I've gone to a friend's apartment with food for them and one friend I'm talking about um, and food for that person and their blinds are drawn. It's like one in the afternoon and they're just crying in bed. And I'm like, why do you love this drug so much? <laughs> like, I was like, I will never fucking do ecstasy because I was just like, you're on the brink of fucking killing yourself after every time you do it. Anyway, that was ecstasy. That's not GHB, but it's, it's similar things. Like people compared it. They called it liquid ecstasy. Okay. Okay. So now that we're all on the same page, we all know what it is. We all know what it does. On the Saturday night of January 16th, 1999, 15-year-old Samantha Reed told her mom that she was going to a movie with two of her friends. Her two friends were Melanie Sindoni. I don't know if it's Sindone or Sindoni. So okay. I'll just say that. I'm, I'm not sure. And Jessica Van Wassenova. All of the girls were freshmen at Oscar Carlson High School in a Detroit suburb. Well, the girls didn't go to the movies that night. <gasps> oh, no. They lied to their parents? What? They met up with Joshua Cole, who was 19, Daniel Brayman, and Nicholas Holchleg, who were both 18. Mm -hmm. And they all just fucking teamed it up. They got Slurpees at 7-Eleven and cruised around in somebody's mom's van. Mm -hmm. And then they headed to the apartment of a friend of the boys, 26-year-old Eric Limmer. Okay. I know. They were hanging out, watching SNL. They had rented some fucking movies from Blockbuster or whatever. It seemed fairly innocent. Well, and they were like smoking pot and shit. I don't know if the girls were. It said some of them were smoking pot and whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -mm. Samantha 
Samantha asked for a Mountain Dew and was given one and within minutes was passed out on the couch. At some point, she began vomiting and was placed on the bathroom floor. Melanie was also experiencing adverse effects to the drink that she had been given and eventually only remembers the feeling of being numb in the face. The next thing she knew, she was awake in a hospital bed and her friend Samantha was dead. (gasps) Both girls, after passing out, had been, by all accounts, left alone. Their friend Jessica, who didn't experience these effects but later tested positive for GHB, eventually noticed that their breathing had become very shallow and insisted that they go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. The guys refused to call an ambulance, and instead they went and bought a vacuum and cleaning supplies. Okay. The teens helped Eric clean up his apartment, and then they finally took the girls in because Jessica was, like, freaking out. Mm -hmm. Sam stopped breathing on the way to to Oakwood South Shore Medical Center in Trenton, Michigan. Both girls had slipped into comas, but Samantha never woke up and was declared dead roughly 18 hours later. The boys told emergency room workers and police that the girls were at a house party that they couldn't give a specific location to, and they only remember seeing a black man at the door. Oh, God. Jesus fucking fucking Christ. I fucking know. I know. Jesus fucking Christ. Of course they did. I know. Well, then Melanie regained consciousness and she was like, oh, you know what? I remember some shit. Mm -hmm. She told police what had really happened because she remembered everything up into her face feeling numb. That's where she lost her memory. Mm -hmm. So she had told the police what had really happened and where they had been. Thankfully, she had remembered that much because all the boys were on the same fucking page. Mm -hmm. You think systemic racism isn't fucking real when how many fucking cases do you hear where somebody people saying like i don't know it was a random black guy okay and you wonder why fucking people of color are fucking okay we all know yeah we all know why they would say that Mm -hmm. anyway it didn't take long for cops to get joshua cole to confess to spiking the girls drinks he had said that the boys wanted to liven up the party cool because of his confession joshua was charged separately from the others they were all eventually found guilty of involuntary manslaughter and two counts of mixing a harmful substance Mm-hmm. The GHB was supplied by old ass Eric Limmer, but he was found guilty on one count each of being an accessory to manslaughter after the fact, mixing a harmful substance, delivery of marijuana and possession of GHB. At this time, GHB was considered a schedule three drug and really had just been made illegal, mm-hmm. like not that long before. It's funny how uh, marijuana is schedule one. <laughs> Oh, my God. I have that in here. Yeah. It's like so the DEA classifies substances with low to moderate potential for physical and psychological dependence under Schedule 3. When misused, these drugs can still lead to abuse or addiction, but they are still less dangerous than drugs in Schedules 1 and 2. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Weed is Schedule 1. Like like with heroin. A few drops of this can fucking kill you. And that's Schedule 3? Like, this didn't even make sense. Yeah. I could fucking gas mask weed while I'm passed out and still would be fine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking stupid. So fucking reefer madness, man. Yeah. It's so fucking insane. (laughs) Oh, I smoked a joint. I'm going to jump through a window. You're like, what? (laughs) This never happened. And then I like went down this whole thing of like assuming what the night consisted of. The 26 year old Eric's the one who had the GHB. It was his. Mm. He was the one who was like, we could give this to the girls or whatever. Or you could. Mm -hmm. The only reason that they would have like separate trials is because the three other ones, the 26 year old 
18-year-old and the two 18-year-olds, they were tried together. Because fucking Josh had confessed, they were all like, it was only him. It was his fault. He did it. We didn't have anything to do with it. We didn't even know it was there. Eric was like, I was in my bedroom the whole time that, you know, these girls were passed out. I didn't know they needed to go to the hospital and whatever else, Mm -hmm. which is bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? All of it's bullshit. But he was the only one who confessed anything. Right. So they were like, "Uh, it was him. Yeah. Yeah. After Sam died, President Clinton passed the Hillary Farias Samantha Reed Date Rape Drug Prohibition Act of 2000. Hillary Farias is another girl who had died in 1996 from GHB. Mm-hmm. So there's finally a law being passed. It imposed stiff penalties and added it to the list of Schedule 1 controlled substances. Mm-hmm. So she's the reason it got cracked down on. Right. Eric Limmer served five years for his role. Okay. And the other were all eligible for parole in 2007 but remained in prison. If they served their whole bid, they would have been released in 2015. But, you know, this kind of faded into obscurity. The last thing I found was a 10-year follow-up mm-hmm. and nothing beyond that. Yeah, it's a short one today, but that's that's the history of where we are with GHB hmm. in the law. Interesting. There was this other case I read about. It was a journalist who went out to the bar with her friends and these dudes were like buying them drinks and shit. And she's like, I barely had anything to drink. And the next thing I knew, I was in jail. And they were like, oh, you were just super drunk and blah, blah, blah. And she was kind of got dragged pretty hard for it. Yeah. And GHB goes through your system really fucking quickly. It's out of your system in like eight to 10 hours. So if you're not tested for it right away, which it's not on a regular toxicology test, like you have to request it. Mm -hmm. If it's not detected right off the bat, then you're not going to be able to tell unless you get a hair sample Mm -hmm. done. Yeah. So this journalist fucking, they wouldn't test her for GHB. And then it wasn't until like two months later after she was trying to like clear her name because she's got these charges and shit because it was like like disorderly conduct and whatever. Like she was just wild and out really hard. It was like pulling teeth for her to be able to get tested for it. The nurse was like, I can't give you the test for that unless the police are involved. She's like, I think I got drugged. And they're like, where's the report from that night? Like that night you got arrested. It was this whole thing. She finally is able to get the hair test. Test, mm-hmm. And she tests positive for GHB. Mm. Did she get any of the charges dropped? You know what? I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. All I remember her saying was, it's scary because I now know that I was drugged. I knew that I had been assaulted, but th- I can't fill in any more of the gaps. Jeez. Like I had, I had been drugged. I'd been assaulted. Um, I ended up in jail. I have no idea how. Like I was just going out for drinks with my girlfriends. Jesus fuck. Isn't that fucking nuts? Okay, this is episode 10. We're halfway through season two. So next week, we're going to have a little intermish and take a little break from episodes for just like a minute. All right, follow us on all socials at SVUPod. Check out our website, svupod.com. We've got merch on there, uh, old episodes. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Yep, all right. Well, love you, bye. Love you, bye. (laughs) Love you, bye. Love you, bye. No, this is Um, supposed to be, this is supposed to like work. If you want me to just not talk so I don't get yelled at, I would prefer that. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the microphone passionately towards you. (laughs) (laughs) It's passion, Tasha.